You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. This episode of the Sportsman's Nation is brought to you by Outdoor Edge and their complete lineup of replaceable blade knives, fixed blade knives, and game processing kits. Now we've all been there before trying to field dress your wild game with a dull knife. This is where Outdoor Edge really steps in. With the Razor Safe system, you can have a brand new razor sharp blade with just the push of a button. No more dull blades and no more problems processing your wild game. To check out all of the products from Outdoor Edge, visit OutdoorEdge.com. And at checkout, enter the discount code NATION30. That's N-A-T-I-O-N-3-0 for 30% off of your purchase. Welcome to the Land and Legacy Podcast. We're your hosts, Adam Keith. And Matt Dye. This is your number one resource for all things land. If you're interested in conservation, habitat management, hunting strategy, and rural real estate, this is the podcast for you. All right, guys, welcome back to another Land and Legacy podcast. This is your host, Matt Dye, and I've got Chainsaw Chad on with me this week. Have you um, have you come off cloud nine yet? Yeah. A little, a little yeah. settled? Yeah, it's, it's, it's kicked in that I have no more buck tag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, there, there's, there's no more buck tag for you until uh, rifle season. So like mid, mid on, on, uh, other podcasts that, that there's other objectives to the hunting season this year too. So it's not a bad position to be that, Hey, the landowner where you harvest a buck at needs doe shot. You guys need doe shot. So that focus really kind of can be shifted and meet those harvest and herd it's, management objectives too. It's easier to go hunting without the camera when you know there's no chance of shooting a buck. It's that's like, very true. Yeah, you don't yeah. have to worry about if we have a camera or if uh, somebody to run a camera or any of that. You can just go. It's like right. okay, I need to go kill a doe. Even if you see it, you're not going to be able to shoot it. Mm-mm. So so yeah, going off and saying you know what, I'm just doe hunting. Let's just start whacking and stacking because that's what needs to happen. So obviously, um, if you haven't followed along on social media and you haven't picked up yet. You killed a good buck this week. Oh yeah, a good you, one. You got to join in on the hunt. Oh too. man, that was fun. That was a, that was a blast. So obviously, we're we're going to talk about that hunt this week on the podcast and, and the kind of the culmination of why it ended up being uh, a success. How how you got from identifying food sources to years of historical hunts that have led up to okay, we need to put in time. We need to be aggressive. And then resulted in ultimately a harvest. Um, did you ever end up scoring the deer yet? No, I didn't. I, I tried I, to last night and gotcha. It was kind of dark. Yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd like to score it in more daylight, but yeah. it, not that it matters because it was a fully mature, beautiful nine point somewhere, one forty-five to one fifty. Um, great, great animal. Incredible hunt. There's not a lot of times that you can have that let's say 30 yards and under experience with three deer three and a half and older for 
15, 20 minutes broad daylight. Like that type of encounter is pretty rare. And they generally turn out badly <laughs> with yeah. the wind. Like we had zero wind. Yeah. Very yeah. light winds anyway. And it wasn't long after the shot that I remember thinking, okay, the wind's bad now. Like yeah. It, it stayed pretty good most of the time they were there within 30 yards, and it wasn't long after the shot where I'm like, whew, yeah. glad it happened already. Cause well, well, we joked about it, and, and obviously we're not salesy-type people or anything like that, And and but we, we laughed and said, if there was an – Ozonics aha moment. It might have been. Yeah. It might have been this hunt just because of the, the, uh, not ideal conditions. However, that got, plays into the hunt. So, um, let's just kind of let's just jump right into it because this is, this is what we want to cover on the on the whole podcast. The how do we get here to this point of execution? Um, and it doesn't. There's so many elements I think to it that. Not not every single hunt has to be, let's say, this complex from the different elements that you could say, okay, got, that had an influence on it, that had an influence on it, that had an influence on it. But but there's a lot that can be drawn um, that add to the overall reasoning behind, I think, this being a successful hunt itself. So first off, kind of break down break down this whole the big scenario of seasons food sources um and and this took place not on whistling woodlands but at, a, at a, another farm more north of here um that is a 100 percent cattle farm we've talked about it many times on the podcast um and and when we covered your doe harvest the week or two prior on the podcast same property so um we talked some of the specifics there but kind of break down again that that food sources, hunt scenario with everyone, kind of get them in the frame of mind of, of what this year looks like. So this farm, when we turkey hunted here too, so we knew that the late frost that we had zapped the white oak acorn crop right. in this area. <clears throat> there were, like Whistling Woodlands, the ridge tops did not get frost killed. Mm-hmm. Now we haven't seen <clears throat> many acorns on those either, but this place, you did not see leaves for miles like there right. was a far ridge that i'm like okay i can see leaves over there mm-hmm. so we were pretty certain there would be no white oak acorn crop yep this place has a lot of bur oak acorns a lot of swamp white oak when you have a white oak crop as as attractive as alfalfa fields are you don't see near the especially the mature buck movement because they're they're not coming out into the open as as often, or it's it's after dark a lot of times. They're they're eating in the timber, which is for the most part not on this place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this is the first real year that we've hunted early season with no acorns on this place. And and I and generally speaking, because of some of the other um, hunting that takes place of uh, from the farmer, the landowner, um, kids, and just other friends, generally your experience in hunting this place has been tied to early season and late season. And that works well because this property does have a lot of food on it. It doesn't have a lot of cover, but it has a lot of food on it. So most times and experiences um, that you've had have been at the start of season through mid-October and then really after season, mid-December and on. Muzzleloader, yeah. late bow that's, season. That's, for the most part, that's when we hunt it. I've hunted right. it a little during the rut, but not... 
Not a lot because there are other people mm-hmm. that hunt it. Mm-hmm. The landowner hunts it during gun season, so yep. you, you hate to pressure it hard before they're going to hunt. Yeah, absolutely. So we generally stay out of there for the most part. Um, so and that's why, like, we hunted early season because there's alfalfa. There's mm-hmm. a lot of alfalfa. And in certain years, we've had some years where there was a small white oak acorn crop, and it, it diminished mid-October yep. or late October. And we hunted for a couple weeks there and, and mm-hmm. saw a lot of deer. Right. Um this year with no acorns, we had a feeling, which we still, we've been so busy working on the whistling and right. stuff. We haven't run many cameras up there. Mm-hmm. The first time that we had cameras up there was probably, the first cameras might have been maybe a month before season. Yeah, maybe. I was say early I mean, August. Antlers like were pretty well formed. Yeah. They weren't in the greatest of spots. We didn't have a good buck picture for a while. Right. right. But... um the thing with these fields that we that we run into is, I mean, alfalfa is really attractive and a really big draw, but right, it doesn't stay in that position forever. It, it's going it's, to be cut for hay. Absolutely. So four, four or five times a year down here in this area. So like yeah. that's not uncommon. So you start spacing that out uh, across a growing season, and you can imagine when there's let's just say there's four or five different fields and you're trying to monitor what's going there. If you have four or five different fields and each get cut four or five times a year, depending on the growing season, just about every week, one field is getting cut and it's on a rotation, right? I mean, they that, also, that's, they also do corn yep. or silage. So like, Oh, for the past couple of weeks, they've been really working that mm-hmm. hard. Mm-hmm. So as and, soon and as then coming back with a cover crop too. Mm-hmm. So you're you're looking at some corn on the ground then, mm-hmm. and they're also cover cropping, but then also as soon as they're done, they're in a big rush to get into the alfalfa then. Yes, because it's been a stretch where it's getting ready and they've been busy with the when it's corn time. It's corn time. There's nothing else they're doing. Right. So that's what uh, they they've worked on that, and right before season, then you know last year. We, you guys had the video. We've talked about it. We had the, the good buck we chased early season last year. Yeah. And we had a picture that we're pretty certain was that deer. Yep. And I had one regular camera, not one of the cutties, out. Mm-hmm. I just left it over the summer just to see. We had one set of pictures that was like, that's that deer. That's oh, yeah. a yeah. really, really good eight point. Yep. And that was what we expected. The alfalfa field he was going to, mm-hmm. it's going to be that again. Yep. They cut it, what, like a week uh, and a half? A I, week and a half before bow season opens? Something like that. I was going to say so, seven days. You know, deer won't just find that newly growing alfalfa instantly. It takes right. them a little ad- to adjust. And, you know, I sat that field a night or two before bow season just mm-hmm. to see, but we had some cameras. But a big alfalfa field, you can't, you can't survey everything expect perfectly. them to go right in front of the camera. And I didn't see, I think I saw a donathon. Yeah, a doe and a fawn, and that was it. And and if it was a big pull, normally up here, you were you you're seeing ten to fifteen in a field. Yeah. The um, the really big field, you'll see thirty or forty, yeah. at least. And that's what I saw. I saw a really good buck on that mm-hmm. field, and that's what we had planned on going after that. And yep, something had shifted. You know, the opening or I guess it was the night after opening night mm-hmm. when I shot the doe with you. Yep, and. We just didn't see the deer movement we expected. Yeah, yeah. And 
I went and sat it. Two days later. Two days later, I sat out on the edge of the field kind yeah. of watching to see what came out while Adam Adam actually hunted where we hunted. Right. And and saw the deer that I ended up killing. Yep. And that was part of the part of the plan was we're gonna watch as get as many eyes on as many fields as possible sure. to try to put something together. And I did possibly see the deer, but it was right at dark. Yeah. The, the other shooters on the other field and it was right at dark. I really didn't know where they came from. It wasn't a great pattern. Mm-hmm. And Adam, on the other hand, on that this field, this is another this, field. This that's is growing. the field that's more centralized in the farm. Um, I think it gets probably some of the the least disturbance, but it's a center of a farm, and there's a weird cutout that a lot of deer come off a neighboring situation that is yeah. brushy, thick routine bedding so it doesn't get a lot of disturbance but it's and i think at the stages too it was one of the last ones where you had the most time in between opening day to when it was going to be harvested as well so it was lush it's it's the best looking alfalfa knee high beautiful and i went and watched it one night and a couple of these fields sit close enough together i can jump back and forth and check both of them at, at right before dark and this field i went over to it and i told you guys i i saw a lot of deer in it mm-hmm. i didn't see any of the shooters that w- by then we had some some more, deer more on pictures. camera in yeah. that area and knew they were they were really hitting that field but i didn't see any shooters i just saw a lot of like two and a half a lot of two and a half year old bucks yeah i'm like there's a lot of deer using that field it wouldn't surprise me and then adam hunted it he hunted it on a saturday he hunted on a Saturday. The wind was swirly, wasn't great, and he sat on like the edge, kind of moved in and had a chance at killing a deer, but it was more observatory set. Yep. And he saw this this nine point come out on the, the opposite side on of the, the field. On the opposite side of the field. Yep. Which I have a lot of history in this area. Yeah. And on this we know the pattern for the most part. If they're coming to this field, you mentioned the brushy patch yep. on the neighbor. They bed over there. They come through. There's a little patch of timber on a ridge that Small overlooks ridge. it. And we call it the snake's den. There was a deer that lived in that area that we called snakes. Um, they stage on that at times. Right. They don't bed on this little knob. And what, I mean, that whole little block of timber, five acres? Maybe. I, I mean, maybe. I, I maybe five acre block. And that 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 is a transitional area from neighbor to the large alfalfa field, and the, what's what's a little unique about it is I'm trying to set the stage for someone. So so the ridge runs north to south, but the bedding is west, and the field is east if you're looking at it from the south side, looking north. Yeah. Um. So kind of the way you would you you may enter this field. So um. But the ridge doesn't run, let's say, east to west. That just, like, would funnel them across, yeah. like, in, in a very distinct pattern. So if that kind of plays into the overall hunt, though, and we'll get into it, that. It runs north and south, and it's been kind of a... It's not defining, the first, let's no, say. It's, <laughs> I've had some really frustrating times on that on that area because you play a lot of cat and mouse. Yeah. There's a lot of times you sit on one end, 
because the wind is mm-hmm. a certain direction. Like you sit on the south because the wind's north and you watch them come 60 yards across. Yep. They're 60 yards north of you just out of range and they go to the field. Yep. And then you have no chance. Mm-hmm. And I've jumped back and forth in there so many times. Well, I can't never. I've probably hunted four or five different trees in there. Yeah. I'm sure, I don't know how many have you hunted. I've hunted from one end to the other. <laughs> yeah. And, and see, what has changed last year, <clears throat> in the past couple of years, I had a stretch there where when snakes was in that area, mm-hmm. that the fence between this place and the neighbor was was weak in a spot, knocked yep. down. Well, the neighbor's cows started getting in the alfalfa, which... That's a no-no. <laughs> you react on that quick. And, well, the landowner fixed the fence there. So mm-hmm. it's it's changed. That that had become the major deer crossing. Right. And they were going into a little corner of this field. Well, now with that fixed, they're finding the next weak spot. Yep. So it's farther south, and they're having to more go through the timber instead of just kind of... Cutting the corner. Cutting like. the corner and going out into the field instantly. Yep. There's more options to hunt them in here. So that's – Adam had watched that. We knew it came out on the south end of the field. So we're like, okay, they're cutting through the timber. Now let's move in when we yep. get the wind. And finally we had a cold front. Yep. The wind switched. That's been the biggest thing. It's just been yeah. stagnant. Right. Same weather day after day after day. And we thought that's probably why we weren't seeing as much deer movement. Sure. In any of the fields. And so you and Adam slipped in on the south side. On on a Tuesday, we had uh, the weather came through Monday night into Tuesday. Tuesday was the first cold front with a uh, northwest wind. Um, that was 7 to 10 miles an hour. I think forecasted for the day. And it had rained that morning. Yes. Which Adam and I had talked about it. We kind of have a – kind of seems like – it rained in that September, night and then a lot of times morning. It's more like the summer pattern where we used to spend a lot of time watching deer in the evenings. And it seemed like that first day that it rained, the first time it cooled off, we never saw the deer movement we expected. Mm-hmm. It was always a few days later. And that's what, when he, I mean, he went in there, you still expect. It's like, oh yeah, he's going to kill that deer. Right. And you guys saw four? We saw four to five deer and had some coming through right about the time we were climbing down and and what we did is with the northwest wind came in from the south side of this small wood block and what was unsure because of only one observation and then where the trail camera was located is are they coming through the pasture or are they coming through the wood lot and then dropping down to the alfalfa so from adam's position i position the other night from the observation set it was kind of unsure we thought maybe the timber was was you know 80 percent but being the first time in there you didn't want to go and just sit right smack dab in the middle of that wood block and say this is put basically put all your chips in there we felt like we were in a great pinch had great shooting lanes could shoot 45 ish yards through there that's part of why you guys sat where you did is because a lot of that patch of timber is pretty thick to yeah. shoot through a lot of it's mid story. open underneath yep but the mid story is pretty thick and it's tough to there's a lot of dead limbs yeah yeah it's tough to get arrows through I've, mm-hmm. I've run into that in the past and and that's why you guys set where you did because you had good shooting lanes in that yeah and felt like we could cover a bigger basis just in case they did come pasture route 
or if they stay in the timber, we could shoot a good distance. But we didn't. The, the deer we saw passed right at 50 yards, and it wasn't any of the the shooters. I think we saw a couple does, and then a small buck um, had passed through, and and that was pretty much the sit. I was like, okay, they're still in here. They just didn't come through tonight. Because we had pictures of multiple good deer that night. Yeah, like after yeah, yeah, you yeah. guys left, they yep. they were in that field. So and it it had become every night. We it had pictures of those deer routine. every night. So we're yeah. like, they're coming there every night. It's just getting there. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the pictures we had where we had the, the camera, we weren't getting so many of the pictures of the deer coming into the field. It was going it was back more in leaving. the morning. So we yeah. knew they weren't really coming in that direction. So mm-hmm. it's, they were coming in from another spot. Yep. And so then you and I went in there. Yep. Two days after Adam and I had hunted it. And, and pushed in a little farther. We yep. still had... Well, for it, the most part, a north wind. Yeah. <laughs> but, so from this tree that Adam and I had hunted was a hackberry. We could see again forty, fifty yards up past, and and where those deer crossed the ridge, we're like, you've got to be another thirty, forty yards up. Like you, that that's going to be the X. That's going to be where they're at and where they're going to choose to cross from what we had seen a couple days prior. So going in. You and I were still not 100% certain on which tree that we were going to climb, but we knew it was going to not be the one Adam and I were in. It was going to be that 30, 40 yards pushing farther. We had an, an idea of, what, three or four trees? I think three it was about three, three, three trees, and it, and basically we left it up to what is the wind going to do? What is the wind on a two-mile-an-hour forecasted west-northwest wind? How is it actually going to react in there? And then base that off of you, each shooting lane, I'm air quoting, because there was not a ton, but what is going to give you the best option? When you look at that light of wind and you're dealing with terrain and the timber, yes. you really don't, it's it's not ever going to be like the predicted wind. No. And no. so that's is, why we went in with, okay, if it's if it's doing what it's supposed to do and sticking out of the west, let's get on up here, but... If it's dead, let's try to stay on the field side of the timber so yes. that our scent drops down into the field instead of where the deer are coming from. Absolutely. Using the topography more so to pro- play and predict some of that wind, control some of the wind, because it wasn't going to be very no. much And so when all. we got in there, the wind was, mm-hmm. for the most part, west, yep. still with a pretty decent north component. Yep. So we found a tree that pretty well, there's an old road-type He's kind of taken a skid steer yeah. with a mulcher in and, and opened a spot, and they run it occasionally with a four-wheeler. So mm-hmm. it's it's an open lane through that timber. We pushed up. There was one hackberry kind of in the center of that. And it's yep. like, okay, if we get into that, we can shoot towards the fence still behind us right. to, the, to the south. But then we can also shoot 30, 40. There was a hole. I had a hole where I could right. shoot to 40 And that's up the that lane. direction is where we had seen the two nights before majority of deer crossing. Like that's and that's where the wind was predicted and best. And from your past hunts and the cameras, seem like, man, this is going to be if they're a higher probability that they're going to cross north of us. And and you know, mention the cameras. Even with a successful hunt, we've already learned next year we will have, especially yes. if the alfalfa looks good, we'll have a mock scrape in there with a with a cutty on it up in the woods because. Yes. If they do similar stuff, they're going to stage up like we had them do. Uh, and we expect them to come in, check that scrape. 
stage, mill around, do what they do, then filter down. Yeah. And n- well, now we're at the point where we're let's talk about yeah. the deer that we're seeing, what that what they start to do because I think this is a big kind of takeaway message from early season. Um, how do you know when to be aggressive and when not to be aggressive? And the pattern was pretty clear. There was big deer coming in this field, multiples. There's probably three or four different deer probably would have been happy to tag coming to this field. This one, I think, was probably the biggest, right? Mm, there was an eight point that was there some that yeah, was still stout. I think the, it and the other nine point were probably, they might have been a little bigger. Gotcha. So there was, there was no, there's no doubt based on the cameras that deer were coming through and hitting this field pretty much nightly. Adam had seen this deer in daylight, but what was uncertain, I think trips up some people is you don't want to be too aggressive during early season. You're trying to waffle back and forth of, of being too aggressive early season, not hunting the field edge and getting into the timber. But typically what happens is if deer coming out last light, that doesn't mean that they're not getting to the edge of the field if it's got some cover, thick, that they're going to stage up 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 yards off that field edge and mill around, do what they do, and then dump out into the field later on, last light situation. So we've seen that before. The other the other factor in being aggressive is we also knew in talking to the landowner, yes. they're yes, cutting yes, yes. it this week. Yes. This coming week, they're going to cut it for hay. So we're like, this is, this is very short-lived. Yeah, I, I don't think that even on a west-northwest wind at two miles an hour, if that field was going to stay alfalfa for a while, may not even ch- chose to hunt that night because, like, wow, this could be so variable. You know, it's out of the right direction. Is it strong enough to really be wise? But, honestly, because of the the factor of there's maybe five days left this pattern, if you're going to do it, it's, you, you have the, to hunt. You have to hunt tonight. Those were the last days of, of right. that west wind. right. And you need looking a, forward, yeah. You need some kind of west component in mm-hmm. there for the most part. So we pushed in there, and we sat there for for a while where the wind, you know, we had the milkweed and we checked yep. it. And for the most part, it was that we'd occasionally get a push where we'd look at each other and be like, "That's no good. That's a little southwest." And it <laughs> and it it'd turn or it was, you know, we had a, a few times that kind of pushed out of the east a little bit. We we're yeah. like, "Oh, I hope that doesn't." And it never was sustained. It would right. just kind of. A puff that way and then go back. Yep. And I don't even remember what time. We saw the one it younger was, deer. It was right at 630 because, well, I should take it. That's probably 620, 625 because you end up shooting at like 645 or a dot. So for the most part, this area has been a last 30 minutes of daylight. Yes. I mean, pretty consistent. You can hunt this area late because it's mm-hmm. last 30 minutes. And... Any any movement before that's a bonus. Sure. And that's what that deer was early. I mean, yeah. what was it? Just getting dark seven seven thirty seven thirty five. Yeah. So six thirty, you're like, there's a buck. Yep. And it was a nice young mm-hmm. young buck that came through, and we're like, okay, and it was by itself. It was by we itself. <laughs> and, yeah. It was by itself in like forty five yards, and went through an area that was like, oh crap. I mean, I, that's a little bit farther than what we anticipated. I ho- I hope. The rest of them, if more come, don't do that. But basically, it it crossed quick and got down to the field, or we lost it went sight of it. Straight to the field. I mean, it was like 
no staging, no milling around, no nothing. It was just like, I'm hungry, I'm going. And that was like, yeah, 6.30. Um, we kind of looked at each other like, man, I hope the next time they come by, they're closer. And I was like, well, let's just do a quick interview, just a little update throughout the hunt and um, pan the camera to you. We'd talk for 20, 30 seconds, something like that. Pull it back around. I think I'd shut it off. We sat there another minute or two. But what was interesting is during the time you were talking, doing that interview, I caught a flash of something coming from the west, and it just disappeared, nothing. I I tried to put binos up, look at it. I never saw anything. So I just thought maybe it was a bird just flicked through there and whatever. I think I said something to you afterwards. Like, yeah, I, mean, I, I think I just saw something. but I There's kind of some holes down through that timber. Yeah. We could kind of see some stuff, but for a lot of it, it was it was not real open to see much. You would just catch movement. Yeah. And, I, I man, I swore I'd caught movement of something, but really had zero idea of what it was. Um, never saw, like, the definitive legs. Oh, that's a deer kind of thing. It's like a flick of white. Um, so anyhow, didn't think anything of it, <clears throat> pulled the camera back around, we were sitting there chilling, and then, I don't know, within two or three minutes, I would say. It was pretty quick. It was it was pretty quick after that interview, boom, there's a deer, and a good deer, pretty much in the shooting lane at 40 yards. It's like, <laughs> immediate, like, oh crap, we need to get ready. Well, it was so fast that, like... <clears throat> You told me, I get the bow, get it ready. I I think I said, deer, buck, big buck, and then I just started recording, and you were getting stuff assembled. Yeah, and I got got ready, and he was kind of angling towards us, and he went through a shooting lane at at 30 and, like, paused. Like, I drew. Yeah. Because it was like, oh, yeah, Yeah, you immediately drew. I drew because he was right there, and I I had to lean back a little bit, but I got a, a shot. And we're in saddles. Yeah, we're in tree saddles, so it was like I could swivel around. Yep. And I had a shot at him at 30 yards, but I wasn't sure that was it. I mean, it was a flash, quick. You would have had to make a, a snapshot. Like, very quick decision. And I'm like, I, I, what day was that? September 23rd. September 23rd. A week, last, a week into season, pretty much exactly. Yeah, the last thing you want to do. <laughs> Is to make a snap decision and end up shooting a young buck because yeah. you're excited. So and it and was you like, knew that there was come they're coming in groups too. So was a, that one of the bucks? Yeah, that you there to were shoot? a lot of bucks coming to the field. So it was just like, uh, not comfortable enough, and I let down. Yeah, like he paused for like two or three seconds and then kept going. And you were like, another buck coming. Yep. And here came another buck, and yep. it was I'm like I knew when I saw that deer. Okay, that deer has a smaller body than the other one. No, that's deer. That's yeah. not a shooter. And you're like, here comes another one. I'm like, uh, nope, not a shooter either. Yep. And then it's like, still looking at the other deer, like, is that the one we're after for certain? Because right. it was so. Br- I just catch glimpses. Mid story is tough. And in you there. could start to see like his body, and it's like, okay, in comparison. I'm like, okay. And then that, the other thing, the other thing that 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 he had that was pretty clear after the other two walked through was. The difference in mass of antler, though, as yeah, well. I remember the first really time I saw the buck cross that shooting lane, I was like, gosh, that thing seemed heavy. And then the other two crosses, like, okay, I know that thing was yeah. heavy. Like, that was, a, that was a pretty heavy deer. And that's what. So then he walks down towards the field. And I still don't know if he didn't, like, once we went down and got down to Blood Trail, Yeah. we looked back and I was like, ooh, 
Make it skyline us right there. <laughs> and I don't we had know we had to he, do some pretty heavy trimming on the tree to make it work. I don't know if he looked back and saw that. He yeah. got nervous, and it could have been the wind. Yeah, so so they crossed the ridge that runs north and south, and you almost shot them right on top of the ridge, but then they started to go down and kind of commit to the alfalfa I, field. I really thought it was done. I'm I did like, too. well, there we go. He's going onto the field. We're out of this. Gum it. And he stopped and started looking around, and I, then he got nervous, and, and I he trotted s- up the hill a little bit, yeah. and then and the other two bucks just froze. They didn't move again. They stood yeah, in the he, same he spot. He was leading the pack. They stood there. And I, I wasn't I wasn't sure, still don't know. I think he may have caught a, a not movement, because we weren't really moving at that point, but I think I think he may have caught a whiff and was just like Yeah. <sighs> Something's not right. So, which something's we're running right. Ozonics. Yep. Who knows if that I mean you mentioned we don't know that that made a difference or not, but right. he so he started walking around in there and they're just watching him. I had mm-hmm. the the third buck I could have shot the whole time. He yep. was in that thirty yard gap. And he what he he came up. He started to go back to the field. Mm-hmm. Had second thoughts again. Oh yeah, he turned he checked around, up again. came back up the hill a little bit. Started to go again, and that third time, the the like third opportunity towards the field, he stopped, and he came back towards the other bucks and came a little closer. Mm-hmm. And that time, I remember saying to you, "This might be it, Matt. Yep. They're kind of moving our way." And and th- this is this is taking place over the matter of. 10, 12, 15 minutes, the time's going back and forth. So it was three deer, I would say two three-year-olds and a four-plus-year-old within 30 yards for, yeah. for that for that amount of time. Very it, light wind, very, very light inconsistent. Wind. Yeah, they would have been able to hear a pin drop. We were froze and just trying to capture and stay on the deer. I, and filming-wise, I lost track of the big deer for probably two or three minutes because they stopped, they were frozen. They would just stand there, and you'd have to. I lost track of him. You would see like pieces of body, and uh-huh. it, was, it was dark enough in the timber. It's like I think that's him, but I don't know. Yeah. And finally, he came up right in the middle of the two deer, mm-hmm. and that younger ten point. Yep. Started to commit, come in our direction, and I'm right. like, okay. I think he kind of pushed, nudged a little bit, yeah. and then kept a little bit of space. And he that ten point came from like thirty, twenty five. Twenty. When, when he started moving our direction, I'm like, okay, they're going to take this trail yep. that Adam saw him come out on. Mm-hmm. They're heading towards it now, and they're going to angle towards us. I'm going to get a shot here. So that yes. was when I'm getting my bow ready, getting ready for it, because I'm like, it's fixing to happen. Yeah. And I ranged the the younger ten point, yep. like twenty yards. He's there, and you know the the older deer, the deer I shot, stepped back behind him. Right. At one point, I, I had a somewhat of a shot if I had mm-hmm. to that as long as the other deer moved his head because his antlers it, were in the way of the yeah. shooting lane. And and everyone listening, y'all, y'all are going to be able to watch this. Obviously, it, w- it was filmed. We need to put it all together. Um, but you'll be able to see this. And, and in the frame, you'll see the 10-pointer. And from your angle, his rack was blocking the vitals of the, uh, of the big deer behind him. And it was like, not often do you have a 10-pointer blocking a shot of a a Probably big nine pointer. What you think he's maybe one thirties? I, I think he's for sure in the thirties. Yeah, probably probably a three year old. Um, but yeah, it's like it, just a cool cool shot and frame um, filming wise to be able to capture that and know that uh, that deer's still in there yeah. for sure. Yeah. So then, so then the other deer steps on forward. 
yep. starts to just go. Like he, oh, he yeah, he and was. And I'm like, you know, we we've gotten to where I, we try not, we don't like make loud noises to get them to stop very often. Most of the time, we try to just like, yeah, just click with their tongue or something just to catch their attention. And that one, it was like, he no. was he I'm was like, going Meh. committed, <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and if you hadn't stopped him there, the the number of opportunities or the, if he took five more steps, he was done off the yeah, slope and we gone. were on. No, so it was like, yeah. I've got to stop him now. And I yes. stopped him, but he was at 22 yards, probably yeah. something like that. So, I mean, I shot, hit him. I hit him a little high, but mm-hmm. it, it was a pretty steep angle. So it came yeah. out pretty well and he turns and runs and. I lost sight. I, I caught a glimpse of him running, but mm-hmm. with all the deer running through there, I didn't. Right. I didn't have any idea which one was him. And you happened. To I was be on the on other him. side of the tree and could watch him run. He turned. He was headed angled southeast. Turns and runs basically due north along the east side of the slope, and then he comes back across the ridge top. And I lost him for a second, but basically on that old road, um, he came. And slowed right down on top of the ridge, took a couple steps, and started staggering on that old road. And stagger, staggered. I'm like, Chad, I see him. I think he's going down. Boom, crash, goes down, I don't know, 80 yards, 90 yards from the tree, something something like that. that. Probably. And um, crashed right down within a matter of five, six seconds after being shot. And it was like, yeah! (laughs) Celebration begins. That was... That was... (laughs) Quite the hunt in there, for sure. It was, yeah, yeah, and, and it was honestly it, for knowing the fr- the uh, some of the frustrating points about this place. It was like this, not that there's ever pressure, but this just like relief of like finally, finally figured them out. We've as, chased early season deer up there. We we've been on a lot of deer. Yeah, but chasing the opportunity mm-hmm. it's been a one step behind in the game just about the whole time like oh we need to do this when we do that it's like oh well this has changed mm-hmm. oh this has changed or it's the north side it's they bed so far away it's it's yeah. very tough to pick it up you you it's almost a from one night to the next one night you you can be there and the deer move early enough to get yep. there before daylight the next night it's after dark yeah oh yeah that's for sure for sure, and, and that's why it's like, man, you you go up and you're like, I'm going to see deer, um, and there's no shortage of them. Obviously, we're talking about the numbers um, of deer up there, but it was like this perfect storm culmination of um, other variables from cattle, from the alfalfa production, from the crops, from the cutting the silage to the lack of acorns to um, the cold front, everything is like, boy, it just brewed up. And, and looking at the weather ahead of time, I was like, man, this is this is going to be a really good week to hunt and put in time because of all these factors. Knowing the number of, of good deer that we're utilizing, this feels like, man, I, I, feel, I feel like we've got a good chance. Um, and then for it to happen and happen in, I wouldn't say broad daylight, but just plenty of, of daylight in the timber, Great buck goes down in sight. Ah, I mean, it's yeah. like, what more do you want out of that? So yeah. it, it was definitely a, a good another hanging hunt. That's yeah, what, it's become pretty much, up there. It's pretty much been a hanging hunt deal. Like, we've, oh yeah, we've hanging hunted for quite a while, especially with the tree saddles. 
those pretty well just those have been uh, kind of a complete game changer up there because we over a couple of years when you're when you're hunting food sources on farms that are frequently disturbing and changing, you have to be you have to be mobile. And I think it was okay. Well, we got a tree stand here. Let's just go. Let's just go there instead of saying no. We need to go in. 50 yards deeper or or we need to just do the hang and hunt thing and be where we need to be it was almost out of convenience and i think i think some of that um has changed by by being aggressive and just getting just like the first night we hunted up there it's like we went in off that field a pretty good ways and and got back to an area that really was i wouldn't have wanted to Put a tree stand on my back and carry camera gear, and you have a tree stand on your well, back and carry bow and all places, that stuff. I mean, I've hunted a lot of this stuff. I'm not afraid to do the hanging hunt with a tree stand either. Right. But the thing, a, a lot of this is the trees are limited that we could get a stand in. Absolutely. Um, we could have hunted, hunted out of a stand in the tree we're in the, yeah, the other night. could have. Um, but here's here's the other thing with all that that I have found. Even if you take a tree stand in that tree stand is pretty stationary. So unless you're going and cutting a lot of lanes, the good thing about the saddle is you can usually move around the tree. And I'm not saying you're not creating shooting lanes by doing that, but you can kind of maximize the shooting lanes that you may have by, instead of being stationary in that tree saddle, you can kind of move around and do what you need to um, with the angles and, and mobility of being up and in that tree. So between that, being able to carry it in, it it's helped out a lot. Yeah. I think I'm just getting where you need to get to. Yep. But, yeah, deer ran 80, solemn fall, easy recovery. <laughs> Although we know. walked past it. <laughs> we walked too far. It wasn't that little that little dip. Yeah. Um, but, but, yeah, we certainly just walked right, <laughs> right past it. Was like, wait we a second. We walked down there, and I looked at it, and I was like, didn't you say it you was down? S- you saw it fall. Where is it at? And you're like, I thought it was right in here. Yeah. And it's like, well, let me step up on this log over here. Because that's that's one of the things we've talked about at some with, uh, like, why th- this place is awesome with the turkeys. And it's it's yeah. all, a lot of the timber that's not grazed a lot, that doesn't have cows consistently in it. Um, there's a lot of native rye mm-hmm. growing in that. So mm-hmm. all through that timber, there was knee-high native yep. rye growing yep. I mean, some of it was laid down, but yep. and that was that was the other one. Like this timber, this patch of timber does not have cattle on it. Right, like they never come in there. So there's, I mean, we watched those deer browsing around the whole time. Oh yeah. Now there's not a whole lot because of the sheer number of deer through there. There's right. not a lot of available browse, yeah. but that they was what still they were, were doing. staging and browsing. And and the other thing, cool, when they were there at thirty yards for so long, they're just standing, looking kind of cleaning, preening themselves, but then also just standing up chewing their cud, just digesting and getting ready to get for another meal and then browsing a little bit more. Um, so it, it was, I thought it was cool just to sit there and watch them um, do do what deer do in, in a really relaxed state um, in the timber where they felt comfortable for a minute. We thought they weren't very comfortable, but but they ended up being, um, and so that was that was cool to kind of be in that in that uh, that presence. And then when we were walking past through the viewfinder, even seeing that deer fall, and then 
walking past him, that depth perception when you're looking just on the screen and then you kind of take a glance off of it, it's tough to pick up exactly where you're at. So that I was talking about when I lost him in the viewfinder, just standing there in the mid stories, like, Man, where are these? I know that they are right here. And it's just so hard to pick those little pieces of a deer up when you're looking on, on a screen. Um, but all, overall, man, I think it was it was a fantastic, cool hunt. I think the video is going to come together pretty cool too, um, because we have Adam's encounter with that deer, his hunt, and then this hunt too, um, to kind of help bring a, a visual element of of the whole podcast to to everyone. So, man, any uh, any other last thoughts? Oh, not that I can think of. But I guess I'm ready to start getting in three filming. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and shooting does, um, which is kind of a, a, a good uh, segue or follow follow next week because this wasn't the only deer to die this week either. So there could be some more hunt recaps um, coming up next week on the podcast. But, um, Chad, big congratulations. Glad you it. come on and, and tell the story. Along. Man, I'm, I was happy to be there. That was fun. Um it's always, I mean, sure, it's fun to shoot deer, but it's just fun being in the presence and watching it happen and, and um, be able to take part in it. It's like, that, that's fun. So, anyhow, appreciate it. Hope everyone enjoyed this podcast and will have some success with their own. There's a lot more states that have opened up this week or will um, in the next week as October 1 kind of rolls around. So, sure to be quite a few more deer stories and client success um, podcasts in the coming weeks too guys so stay tuned appreciate you guys listening and we'll catch you next week